Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. Three, two, one. I'm Susie Ahn, and this is Reset. Chicago public schools are busy making reopening plans, but those plans could get put on hold. Teachers Union filed another legal challenge to try to prevent the plan from moving forward. Meanwhile, districts around the city and state are scrambling to find subs during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's part of a growing teacher shortage across the country. In just a bit, we'll hear from a substitute teacher at a charter school on Chicago's west side. But first, I want to bring in WBEZ education reporter Sarah Karp. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Also with us is Chicago Tribune reporter Karen Ann Collada. Hey, Karen. Hey, Susie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Let's start with the latest from CPS. CPS Parents and Guardians, where they stand in terms of remote or in-person learning for students in 2021. I know that uh, yesterday was sort of the deadline. Do we have any idea what parents are deciding? We don't. We do know that there was a big effort toward um, this weekend and on Monday for the school district to tell parents to choose in-person learning even if they're still on the fence, because they have said in their rules that you can't change your mind from remote learning to in-person learning after yesterday, but you can change your mind from in-person learning to remote learning. So if there's any chance that you might want to bring your child back February 1st or January 11th, depending the the age of your child, then they were saying choose in-person learning, you know, and then if, if let's say, you say to yourself, you know, this is not the right time. I'm going to go with remote learning. You can still do that. Mm-hmm. That was a big push from CPS to make that clear. But we don't know a lot of things about how, how this survey or this, you know, intent to return form is going to turn out. You know, will parents do that? How many parents just aren't going to fill it out, mm-hmm. in which case they're going to default into remote learning, which, you know, if, if maybe somebody just was unaware that they had to fill it out, that might, you know, cause some issues. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that the school district will, will reveal the results of those surveys fairly soon, though they will take their time to sort of time it in the moment <laughs> right. when they want it to come out. So yeah. I don't know. I, I will be asking. Yeah. And, I, you know, I have heard that there are some parents who just purposely decided not to fill it out. But, um, you know, we talked about this legal challenge. Uh, what's what's the latest on CTU's legal challenge against CPS reop- the reopening plan, and uh, what are some of the possible outcomes? So this is the second time that the Chicago Teachers Union has filed for an injunction, and basically what they're doing is they're asking um, the Illinois Educational Labor Relations Board to go to a court and ask for the injunction. So it's sort of a, a two-step process. And what what the CTU is asking for is to demand that the school district bargain with them in a way that results in a binding contract or agreement over the safety and health protocols to come back to school. So, you know, it's not that the injunction would say CPS can't open. It would say something like CPS can't open until they reach a deal with the union and that could take a lot of time. I mean, right now, it seems like what the teachers union wants and what the school district is preparing for is quite a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. 
Shifting to uh, substitute teachers, uh, you you reported before the pandemic began the extensive substitute shortage in Chicago. Uh, give us a sense of what the situation looked like before the pandemic and how things look right now. Right. So it's not even just Chicago. It's nationwide. And what I was looking at is how the schools that get substitutes are different depending on where they are. So that a lot of schools on the south side and the west side suffer from not getting substitutes, which, you know, could mean that for days or, you know, even for long-term substitutes, you know, you might not have a teacher. The the kids might be shuffled around Mm -hmm. for a while as they wait to get a teacher back. You know, let's say a teacher has a medical leave or maternity leave. There's not always that you'll have a sub in that room for a while. And now, you know, there's, there's a lot of complicating factors because, what if when school goes back into session, people have to quarantine for 14 days? Then you're going to need a sub for that 14 days. And what if you can't find a sub? Yeah. Yeah. What happens? Also, we could be short-staffed in certain schools because teachers can apply for um, the Family Medical mm-hmm. Leave Act if they have a you know a reason why they, they're especially vulnerable to severe complications with COVID. And so that's going to take some teachers out of the pool when we already have a situation where some you know schools go entire years missing teachers. Yeah, yeah. Well, Karen, you reported that the shortage has reached crisis levels at some suburban districts. Tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a, a perfect storm. And you know, from what Sarah was saying in CPS, a similar um, situation going on in suburban schools in terms of the shortage, but even at school districts that had been maybe destination districts for SOBs in recent years, even this is even before the pandemic, we're really struggling to get subs. And from what I've been told, often that is just a matter of the economy. So if you go back to about 12 years to, you know, 2008, lots of folks out of work, um, you know, the sub pool was was pretty robust. Um, A lot of people getting into subbing until they could get back into their field. But in in recent years, as, um, you know, folks were back in their professions, the sub pool has dwindled because these are, you know, primarily part-timers. So here we have also a situation where, a huge sector and a very loyal sector of substitutes in the suburbs are retired teachers. And this is just a great way for them to use, you know, their vocation on a part-time basis, a little extra pocket money. Um, But those subs who are really the the ones that are counted on often have all but pulled out at this point. So they're still on the sub roster, but they're saying, no, thanks. You know, it's not worth $120 a day to go into a school building. So that has been a real Mm -hmm. staggering blow in terms of being able to staff these classrooms. Yeah, well, I mean, you spoke to several substitute teachers in the area. For for those who have stayed on, um, what are they saying about how the pandemic is affecting uh, them and their job? They clearly have plenty of work. You know, it's uh, the market for subs right now is there's no shortage of jobs. One of the things that's really challenging Um, no matter the age of the sub, is that you're often, as one administrator explained to me, subs need to be teaching to the Zoomies and the Roomies synchronously, which I thought was really funny and and really an apt description. So it's not a matter of walking into the classroom, which in any scenario is daunting for a substitute. I'm sure we all remember to our school days and, (laughs) you know, the subs were not treated (laughs) the best sometimes um, by students, but They're also um, having to teach remote lessons often at the same time 
to those students whose families have decided they're going to be learning at home. Yeah. Um, so that presents all kinds of challenges um, as you're working with kids in person, but then also having to figure out this new technology, which can be, you know, it can be tricky. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to bring in another voice to the conversation. Joining us now is Walt Stallings, a long-term substitute teacher at a K-8 through charter school on Chicago's west side. Walt, welcome to Reset. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You've been subbing since January. What led you to this job, and, and um, what's your role looked like over the year? Well, I moved to Chicago in 2019 from Memphis, and I moved here to work on my graduate degree. And so looking for work in the city, um, I've always been interested in education. My graduate degree is based in education. So um, subbing was just kind of a cool way to check out the Chicago educational landscape. Um, subbing jobs are honestly, they're pretty easy to get as you're kind of discussing now. They're often readily available. So it offered me some uh, flexibility mm-hmm. with my school schedule. And um, it was also pretty close to what I want to be doing long term anyway. And then there was a big shift. How has your job as a substitute kind of changed with the pandemic? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) So when it first started, it was really difficult to get information. I work at a really great school where I'm treated really well by the administration, but still being um, outside of the actual, like, faculty, not being an actual faculty member at the school, um, I'm often accidentally left off of email list or mass text. So when the pandemic first hit, I was mostly learning about it from the news while my school and district were just kind of telling all of the subs, hold tight, we'll tell you when we know things. So what happened was when schools first went virtual in the spring, even those of us who were long-term were left out of those plans. So It was March 12th. I'll never forget that. And all of a sudden, I was scrambling, looking for jobs. But um, so many other industries were cratered by the pandemic that it was a pretty difficult time. Yeah, I can imagine. And and you wrote about some of those uh, vulnerabilities for substitute teachers um, in a piece in Chalkbeat, Chicago. But as a substitute teacher in Chicago, what what do you think will help address the shortage in the city and around the state? Um, I think there has to be more of a safety net for substitute teachers. You've already mentioned the pay. And with the pay when you're long-term, I think what can occasionally be frustrating is you're only paid for the hours you're actually teaching synchronously. But in a long-term position, you're putting in many, many hours off the clock to do lesson plans and grading and other things. I'm part of a couple committees at my school, so I stay after school hours to be part of those. I currently don't have insurance, Mm -hmm. so I hit my year mark in January, and I'm just kind of twiddling my fingers waiting to possibly get insurance then. Yeah, And that just makes it really scary because, you know, your job is already you're kind of living on the margins. And if you get sick, I don't know. There's not a lot of help there. Not much of a safety net. Yeah. And at this point, are are you I mean, is it just sort of like waiting for them to call or um, do you get regular work in the classroom each week? So I actually the same school asked me to come back at the beginning of this year, initially filling in for a maternity leave. That began in September and ended in early November. And when that uh, session was over, I was asked to stay on just kind of in a filler role. Mm -hmm. So currently I have work, but it changes day to day. Um, I don't know which classroom I'll be in often until the morning of, but it's at the same school each day. So I am getting work, which is great. 
Well, well, good luck to you, Walt. That's Walt Stallings, a long-term substitute teacher at a K-8 through charter school on Chicago's west side. Thanks for joining us, Walt. Yeah, thank you so much. Now, Sarah, we heard a bit about Walt's experience at a charter school. Um, how is CPS responding to its substitute shortage at this time? Is, is the district ramping up recruitment efforts? They are. And actually, at during the um, teacher strike last year, substitutes were actually a pretty big issue because of the, the reason that there are so many in, insecurities with the jobs of substitutes and that there's a shortage. So it's, you know, there's a need for them. One of the things that came out of that is that the school district is, you know, on its way to hire more what they call cadre subs, which are subs that are like assigned to a building so that you always have the same sub in the building. Now, I'm not exactly sure where that is. You know, there's a big disruption in March. And then, you know, right now, Chicago Public Schools is all in remote learning. That could help. And then also... There was a change in state law, and I'm a little nervous to say exactly what it was, but I know that retired teachers could work more hours and, you know, still, you know, keep their pension and everything. People thought that would help a lot because, you know, since there was a limit on how many hours you could work and, you know, that took retired teachers, which is, as Karen said, you know, a really big source of subs out of the market, but... um. You know, now I'm wondering, though, if it won't have as big of an effect, you know, especially while COVID is still, you know, sort of out there and a threat, because those are the very same people who I think would be most nervous to go back into the classrooms. Um, Well, you know, we talked about uh, these retired teachers um, and and officials at the Illinois State Board of Education recently launched an emergency program to help with the substitute shortage around the state. Um, Karen, give us the details of this program and how it works. Yeah, it's really interesting. So this was in response to to the pandemic and, and, of course, knowing there was a shortage before the pandemic. So we have a lot of situations where um, teachers are um, in quarantine. So this doesn't necessarily mean the teacher's COVID positive. But, for example, if they have a child who comes home, was exposed, that teacher cannot um, go into the school building where they're teaching for 14 days. So hence, they are now delivering their Zoom lessons remotely. However, if you're in a school district that has kids back in the classroom, that presents an issue. So um, with the sub shortage, what they are doing with the state is allowing these supervisors, monitors, or sometimes they're being called. Um, they do have to have a background check, but they are do not have to be certified. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also waive that uh, education requirement. So Basically, they're reaching out to folks in the community who are willing to monitor, supervise these classrooms. Um, one school district, New Trier on the North Shore, um, they have campuses in Winnetka and Northfield. Um, those supervisors are making $35 an hour, which is, I thought was a pretty decent rate. However, you know, it doesn't mean they're, they're working more than a couple hours. So I think that we have to take that into consideration, but that has helped. And so you have them in the back of the classroom, making sure the kids are uh, attending to their Zoom lessons on their laptops and tablets while that teacher is safely instructing them from home. Could you tell how how widespread uh, districts are are kind of tapping into this emergency program? Is, Is it effective so far, Karen? Yeah, I've heard from at least a couple of districts that that are doing it. And, you know, I can't say what the the pay rates are, but I think they're looking at that this is, is a really good, it's a temporary um, solution to the staffing issue. You know, of course, I have heard from parents, readers who've read my stories and said, you know, why am I sending my son into school 
when he gets to his classroom and is zooming. Um, he could have done that, you know, from his bedroom. So it's not a perfect solution, and there are some critics. But the superintendents I've talked to have said, look, you know, we know it's not perfect. None of this is, but we never planned for this. And, and their feeling is parents who feel comfortable sending their kids back, they want their kids to be around other students and to have that social-emotional wellness check and so forth. So, you know, it's it's complicated, but they're trying to make it work the best they can. And, of course, this emergency program is, you know, more of a short-term solution um, during this pandemic. But do we know of maybe some long-term solutions uh, that districts are considering right now? Um, and Karen, I'll start with you. One of the things I can tell you is districts are really ramping up. They're recruiting even more than ever Um but I think that looking ahead, one of the things that probably will need to happen at some point is, from what I'm hearing nationwide, there's real concerns about teacher retention right now and that, you know, we could be losing a lot of teachers who just are so burnt out by this experience. Mm-hmm. And we already have seen that spike um, in Illinois of teachers putting in for retirement or not. And even if teachers aren't of retirement age saying, you know what, this just isn't what I signed up for. I and going into other professions. So I think if that happens, it's going to acerbate the existing shortage. And I do think that at some point, school districts are going to have to look at substitutes in a, in a different way, potentially. You know, I heard we heard from Walt, and he sounds like I'm sure they are thrilled to have him. He's just a wonderful candidate to be in those buildings. He's got the background. He's taking education, higher-level ed classes. But here he is. He has no benefits. And I do think that's something that might have to be addressed if yeah. they're going to shore up a real serious pool of subs. Yeah. Sarah, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think all those things are things that Chicago Public Schools is looking at. How do we put more substitutes into a full-time position where they get benefits, where they get health care? I know the union pushes for that. The union represents subs. But I, I think the school district also you know, wants to have stable subs because – you know, they they do not want for those kids to learn, lose time learning. And especially if you need a long-term sub, you know, for a couple months, you need to have somebody in there that is committed and that can do the work. So I think, you know, Chicago Public Schools has a lot on their plates right now for, you know, in terms of trying to figure out how we're going to get back into in-person learning. But one of the things that they're really thinking about is staffing and how do we make sure that, all right, the kids walk into school, there's going to be a human being in front of them to teach them. And I think that, you know, that's really a big issue that they have to make sure. And I've heard a lot over the last couple of years about just thinking about how to make, you know, teaching a more attractive Mm -hmm. profession. I think that, you know, those are things that you have to, you have to really think about, you know, whether it's pay or, you know, just conditions Mm -hmm. of work that that need to be thought about. Because if, if people don't go into teaching, then that's, you know, that's a big, big problem, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to well, say the least. Exactly. We'll be keeping an eye on that. That's WBEZ education reporter Sarah Karp and Chicago Tribune reporter Karen Ann Collada. Sarah, Karen, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. Stay informed about education during the pandemic by subscribing to this podcast or by going to WBEZ.org. And mark your calendar, Sasha Ann Simons takes over as host of Reset next Monday, December 14th. In the meantime, I'm Susie Ann, and I'm glad you're here for Reset from WBEZ Chicago.
At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.